sermon text. Our sermon text today comes from John chapter 2, verses 13 through 25. This is a familiar passage. It's recorded in each of the, go- the four Gospels. It's the account of Jesus cleansing the temple or of Jesus driving the money changers from the temple. It's that classic text of Jesus in such an uncharacteristic way or kind of a surprising way to us as he he makes a whip out of cords and he drives money changers out of the temple. So reading in Jesus' name from John chapter 2, verse beginning with verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there, and making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. The disciples remembered that it was written Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people, and indeed no one and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he knew himself what was in man. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Lord Jesus, today we thank you for your word. We come before you now uh, with humility. We ask that you would open our ears, open our hearts. Lord, we invite you in. Lord, in the same way you saw what you didn't like, in the temple and you cleansed the temple of those selling and selling animals and those exchanging money. Lord, we invite you into our hearts that you would drive out of our lives. You would cleanse us of those things that you do not like, those things that dwell within our hearts. So Lord, we come before you today with with open hearts so that you can do the work that you promised to do in your word. Amen. So can you picture the scene? Jews, uh, people from all over the world converge upon Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. The Feast of Passover was a celebration. It was a celebration of joy as the Jewish people congregated in Jerusalem and specifically at the temple. This feast was not only a celebration, but the feast of Passover was also a reminder, a reminder of how God had delivered his people in Egypt. Remember the book of Exodus way back in the Old Testament? Remember the 10 plagues, the plagues that God sent upon the Egyptians? Remember the last plague? 
the angel of death, the angel of death that was sent to kill the firstborn in each of the homes. But God had provided a way of escape for those Israelites. He had provided... He had provided the blood of a lamb, and, and if an Israelite family, if they, if they took a lamb and if they were to uh, sprinkle the blood of, of the lamb upon the doorpost and upon the lintel of their house, then at night the angel of death would, would pass over their home and the firstborn within the home would be spared from the angel of death. And that's where the term, the feast of the Passover came from because the blood was applied to the doors of the homes of the Israelites and judgment passed over. It was the blood of lambs that caused judgment to pass over their homes. So the the Jews were gathered for the feast of Passover and during the feast animals were sacrificed. And it was the blood of sacrificed animals that would provide for the the forgiveness or the cleansing of sin. The Bible says that there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. So the blood of lambs were shed and sin was forgiven. Not only did Jews gather in Jerusalem, but Gentiles would gather in Jerusalem too. Gentiles would visit They would visit the temple, and there they too, though they were not Jews, could receive mercy from the Lord Almighty. So a celebration, a time of cleansing, a time of remembrance. And then Jesus enters into the temple, and in John 2, Jesus is angry. He's angry. Jesus isn't filled with this, uh, this sense of Uh, celebration and joy. He's filled with the righteous anger of God Almighty. And in his authority as true God, Jesus cleanses his Father's temple, removing every distraction of worship and every barrier of exploitation or of racial discrimination. So the first question that needs to be answered as we study this passage is, why the sale of livestock? And why the exchange of currency? Why were people selling livestock in the temple? And why were they exchanging currency in the temple? Well, the answer is is simple. People traveled from long distances. They traveled from long distances to observe the the Passover. So first of all, it would have been impractical to travel long distances with livestock. And second, the people would not have the correct temple currency to pay the offering. So due to the fact that people came from all over the world, it would be difficult to bring animals and they wouldn't have had the correct coin for the temple offering. So the religious leaders should have provided for the sale of livestock and they they should have provided for the exchange of currency. But the the problem was this, is that that was set up in the temple. And that system was was being abused. Exploitation was taking place. 
It hurt those who came to worship the Lord. So why not currents, why not commerce in God's temple? Why not commerce in God's temple or in God's church? After all, isn't money the essential thing? Isn't money the most important thing? People were making money. Isn't that a good thing? That's the way our culture lives. None of us would would ever admit that, that money is the essential thing, but that's the way we live our lives. We live our lives as if the making of, of money is, is the main thing in life. You can hold a town hall regarding a serious issue within the community that has nothing to do with money, and very few people will show up, but as soon as you hold a town hall that deals with money, pretty soon everybody's there and everybody's in a tizzy. None of us say it, but we sure live it. Money is the thing that we're concerned about. So why not make God's house into a money-making enterprise? The reason? Because God is not not concerned with money. At least he's not as concerned with money as we are. We are absolutely consumed by money, but not God. You see, God has an entirely different set of values. So as I look at my life, I I come to the realization that Jesus needs to drive the love of money out of my heart too. Jesus needs to drive the love of money out of my heart. Jesus didn't like the marketplace in his father's temple, so filled with, with righteous and holy anger, Jesus made a cord of, a whip of cords and drove them all out of the temple. Why this zeal? Why this shocking action from Jesus? Isn't Jesus meek and mild? Isn't he lowly and humble? Yes. Jesus is. You see, Jesus is the Lamb of God. He is the humble, suffering servant, but but that's only one side of the coin. Jesus isn't only lowly and humble, a a lamb, a, a humble, suffering servant, but Jesus is also the lion. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And not only is he the humble, suffering servant, but he is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. And when you receive Jesus, you receive all of Jesus. Not only the humble, suffering Savior, but Jesus is your King. Jesus is your Lord. And so Jesus, he drives these money changers and those selling animals out of the temple. And and I really think that that Jesus' act of driving those selling animals and exchanging money really is a miracle. If Jesus was only a man and and, and not the God-man, I don't think that he could have done it. I truly believe that the the force of of Jesus' divine authority and judgment was made evident to those driven from the temple. It was a miracle. Jesus, the judge, shows up 
and he drives out of his temple what he doesn't approve of. So why did Jesus drive them out? Why the holy zeal? Why the righteous anger? I believe for three reasons. First of all, because this was a distraction. It was a distraction. The temple was to be a place of worship, not a marketplace. So it was a distraction for those who came to worship. I also believe that it was exploitation. People were being exploited. And third, uh, it was blatant racial discrimination. A distraction and systemic exploitation and racial discrimination. What happened back then is still prevalent today. So first of all is a distraction. This is obvious. I don't really need to explain this point. It would not have been easy to focus on God in a, in a county fair or state fair like environment. I like the state fair. I like the animals. I like the food. I actually really like the food. I, I, I like the, uh, you know, the market uh, place things, the, the different vendors. But I don't want the, the state fair in the sanctuary. I don't want the state fair in the sanctuary, and that's exactly what they were doing, is the state fair environment was brought into the temple. So here at Maple Park, we attempt to provide worship services that help people focus on God's word, to focus on Jesus Christ. We design our services to help you focus. The songs, the prayers, the the preaching of God's word are there to help you focus on Jesus, but but how can a person focus in a boisterous marketplace? So first of all, the, the sale of animals and the exchanging of currency in the temple was a distraction. Number two, it was exploitation. It was exploitation. Many of the people, again, who traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover would have come from a long distance. So they needed the animals there to purchase for the sacrifice. And they wouldn't have the the proper temple coin, so they would have needed to exchange their currency for the proper coin. But here's the problem. They charged way too much for the animals. And the fees to exchange the coins were way too high. So they were exploiting the people. They were making profit uh, from a, a situation in which people were stuck. They needed the animal and they needed the temple coin in order to properly worship the Lord. Uh, so people made this, this uh, a massive profit from this endeavor. So the problem was is that this, this uh, selling of the animals and, and the exchange of the coins became a racket. It's kind of like buying snacks at the movie theater. Who remembers going to the movies to watch a, a movie? We, we don't do that very much anymore due to the pandemic. But if you remember going to the movie theater, who here was happy with the price of popcorn? and the price of candy, or the price of uh, the pop. I took Santana and Daniel to the, to the movies just before the pandemic, and for the three of us to watch a movie to have pop and popcorn and candy cost over $100. You are a captive audience there, and you're not allowed to sneak food in either, unless you uh, have a buddy who can open the fire exit for it and you can sneak in some, uh, some something. <laughs> But, um, but to take advantage of the worshipers of God in his holy temple, that's wrong. 
selling an animal outside the temple for a fair price, that would have been okay. Exchanging money outside the temple at a fair rate, that would have been okay. But this was exploitation. It was a racket. Inside the temple. So first of all, it was a distraction. Second, it was exploitation. And then third, it was racial discrimination. So let me explain. Not only was the temple marketplace distracting and it it exploited the people, but it was also discriminatory. Why? Well, the part of the temple used for this marketplace was the court of the Gentiles. Get this. It was the place where the Gentiles were invited. God had had intended that, that a part of this temple complex would be a place for the nations to come. People from Africa, from Asia, and from Europe who were not Israelites, were welcome into the temple, into this court of the Gentiles. So this outer court was a place for the nations to come and to receive from God and to worship God and to find life in God. But they had taken that place for the Gentiles And they had turned it into a marketplace. How could the Gentiles worship? How could they worship at Yahweh's temple, at God's temple, with a marketplace taking up space and creating a clamor? So church, we should be against racial discrimination and we should be against exploitation But here's the thing, not because it's politically correct, or as they say now, because it's woke. Why are we against racial discrimination? We're against it because racial discrimination is not biblical. It's not biblical. Jesus has called the church to reach every nation on the planet, every ethnicity on the planet. And the temple, God's design for the temple was that it would be a place open to every ethnicity, every nation. And the church also should be a place that's open to the world. And the only thing within the church that should be homogenous, that is of the same kind, the only thing that should be of the same kind in God's church and among God's people are the core beliefs of biblical Christianity. Not our our race, not our skin color, not our uh, status within society. That isn't the thing that should unify us. What should unify us is the Bible. Trusting the scriptures, trusting in Jesus who was revealed in the Bible. The historic faith that comes from the Bible, centered on Jesus, is what unites us. And it informs how we're to live our lives. And without that foundation on God's word, we really have no basis to speak against systemic exploitation or racial discrimination. Some people believe that by throwing the Bible out or by taking a pair of scissors to the Bible, we can finally overcome exploitation and and racial discrimination. 
But the Bible is the foundation. It is the foundation upon which we're called to love. To love all people as Jesus loves us. And I believe that it was love, a zealous love that moved Jesus to drive that marketplace out of God's temple. And Jesus, and after Jesus drove the the sellers of animals and the money changers from the temple, the religious leaders saw it, they watched it happen, and they didn't like it. The religious leaders didn't like what they saw. Now here was an opportunity, if there ever was one, to say, Jesus, way to go, Jesus, give Jesus a high five, thanks for taking care of this problem. But the religious leaders didn't do that. The religious establishment should have given Jesus a high five, but instead they disapproved of Jesus's right action on behalf of God's temple and on behalf of God's people. Verse 18 says, so the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, very strange, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But Jesus was speaking about the temple of his body. Verse 22, When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So the Jews demanded a sign. They wanted a miracle from Jesus as proof of his authority to cleanse the temple. But the only sign, the only sign that would be given to them would be the death of Jesus and his victorious resurrection, his victory over sin and death. So brothers and sisters in Christ, Cleansing is available to you. The forgiveness of sins is available to you. And the only thing that you need to be cleansed of sin is the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's it. That's it. Because Jesus was and Jesus is the final Passover lamb. He is the lamb of God. John the Baptist At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, pointed at Jesus, and he said, look at Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Is there anything in your life that needs to be cleansed? Is there anything in your life that needs to be cleansed? Any sin that needs to be cleansed? Jesus has provided for your cleansing. He is the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. So think of your life. What needs to be cleansed from your life today? Could it be a love of money? Could it be an unwillingness to love a a certain person or a certain people? Is there an unwillingness to let Jesus be Lord over your life? Maybe you like him as Savior but you don't like him as Lord. 
because when he's Lord, he calls the shots in your life. Think of your life. Think of an area of your life in which you need Jesus to come in and, and do some, some housework, to do some cleaning. And when Jesus comes into your life, he comes ready to do some tough, deep cleaning. Sometimes he has to come into my life with a whip. Have you ever experienced that before, metaphorically speaking? He's had to come at me with a whip. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he comes with a whip to drive things out of our lives and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't always feel good to have Jesus come in, right? Sometimes we, we uh, pitch the gospel in such a way that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and everything will be wonderful in your life. Now we ought to say, no, Jesus wants to come in and he wants to do some cleaning, deep cleaning. And it doesn't always feel good. But when a person receives Jesus as Savior and Lord, they receive all of Jesus. They receive him as the humble, suffering servant who willingly went to the cross. But they also receive him as Lord and King. You can't receive one part and then leave the other part out. You get all of him or none of him. So today's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you as you sit where you're sitting right now, many of you in your living rooms, many of you in the sanctuary. It's an opportunity today to repent, to repent. In other words, to, to lay your heart open before God and to say, God, I am a sinner. I need you to come in and I need the cleansing of all of, I need you to cleanse me of all of my sin. I need the cleansing of my sin today. It's also a time to do business with God to say, Lord, is there anything in my life that you have judged unclean? Is there anything in my life that you have judged unclean? And then to ask, Lord, would you drive those things out of my life? Would you drive those things out of my life? Would you be not only my Savior, but my Lord? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the work that you did as you, work, as you walked this earth 2,000 years ago, and I thank you that your work continues today. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, through the preaching of your word, Lord Jesus, we open our hearts to you today. And we say, Lord Jesus, come in. Do your work. Do your work of cleansing the forgiveness of sins, but then do that work of, of getting into every little nook and cranny of our lives and to drive out of our lives those things which bring dishonor to you. So we come before you with, with humility we come before you with, with bowed hearts before you because, Lord, we have no hope apart from you. And, Lord, uh, we thank you that this is a work of your love and of your grace. Your grace and your love are abundant and free. So we plead in the name of Jesus that you would do this work in us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.